Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, everybody. It's Flames Nation Radio, episode number 15. I'm Ryan. He's Shane. Welcome aboard. Uh, as always, we're delivered by DoorDash and by our friends at uh, Eau Claire Distilleries, Rupert's Whiskey. It's, it's whiskey. It's tasty. Uh, Shane, why are you so pissy? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. I, 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 like, we make fun of uh, Edmonton all the time, but uh, I'm loving this. I, 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 I feel like... I'll just, uh, just, I'll just anything, say this. anything that sends Oilers country into turmoil. And I know it's mean, but it just, it brings me joy. I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, I, I've declined to, I, I don't like inside media baseball on Twitter. It's, I don't know. It's like telling a joke with too many inside references. No one's going to care. Uh, my big thing is uh, it takes two to tango. I mean, like, I, yes. I, I think everyone's been sort of getting, getting on team, team, you know, player team or media team. Uh, we always want to have fun here. And that's a situation where nobody's having fun. And I don't think they were having fun beforehand. Uh, having covered a lousy hockey club early in my career, all due respect to the members of the Calgary Flames of that, uh, of that era, covering a lousy team's no fun. Being on a lousy team's no fun. And it's especially worse if the team that you are on or covering is supposed to be good. So, I mean, Zoom doesn't help. Zoom is not uh, a, ve- a vehicle for meaningful human interactions. Just how many people you think met their spouses on a friggin' Zoom date? Basically nobody. And if they and uh, if you did, I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to last. Ike's just uh, roasting you. It's fine. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's rough. You know what my my one thing i take away from the pissy thing is if the oilers were winning that conversation never even takes place so one way to solve that edmonton you know what to do go win games yeah which apparently is easier said than done when it comes when you with two superstars what's what's the old saying uh play stupid games win stupid prizes that's a you know that was an interaction where everyone's playing stupid games so you know twitter was the real winner with the memes and and that's that's the that's that's where it ends. I'll, Twitter, I'll, just, say, I'll just say this: we're, we're we're skipping to the end very quickly. The battle of Alberta is on Saturday. It's it's yeah. more fun, and both teams are good. Uh, Daryl Sutter had a very nice point when he was talking about uh, the Florida Panthers before uh, Thursday or before Tuesday's game. He you know he mentioned that you know rivalries are born out of 
two teams being real good and playing each other a lot. They're not born out of just you're close to each other. Like if one team, if two teams are geographically close, but one team wins 90% of the games because one of the teams is terrible, that's not a rivalry. That's just a punching bag. So, you know, much, much like the Florida Panthers have risen up to, uh, to meet uh, the challenge of the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, you know, the, the, it's, it'd be nice if the flames and the orders were both good at the same time and consistently good and potentially playoff good because it's been, I don't know, what was it, 90, 91 the last time they met in the playoffs. So it's been it's been 31 years since they met. Yeah, I, I haven't seen them in my lifetime play in the playoffs. I got, since I was, I was born, I've never I, seen I was six. Anymore. It was great, but I was six. Uh, yeah. So it'd be, it'd be lovely to, to sort of see color photos, uh, color footage of the Flames and Oilers in sweet New Jersey's playing each other. Uh, it's okay. As, so this, this week... Uh, you know, briefly, the Flames played two games uh, since we last spoke with you, dear friends. One of them was a tremendously flat performance against the Ottawa Senators, where Daryl Sutter criticized them for the lack of emotional engagement, and the, the, rightfully so. And then they 100%. Had, had a bunch of days off. They played again on Tuesday night, and they might have played one of their better games of the season. I, I'd argue you could put it in t- you know, one of their top three or four performances of the year, where they played a you know, the, the Florida Panthers, the, the game before Calgary, they played, I believe they also, they played, I think, Saturday, and they just, they clobbered Columbus. They were, no, it's not just like the, the, they went on a five-game stretch I think they had, uh, where they only had, one team ever scored more goals they than had an, in NHL history. They had an eight-game stretch, I think, uh, sports, our friends at Sportsnet had a graphic during the broadcast uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday night. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. It was, yeah. I think, an eight-game span where they scored 50 or 51 goals. So, like, the you know. The, it, it was it was 50 but only four teams ever over an eight-game span had scored 50-plus goals. Those teams were from the 80s. Yeah. And, so... and, then, and then the Flames were, you know, the Flames who had looked, I, I think the, the big criticism that we that we and many people had is uh, the Flames look like they're playing uh, pond hockey against uh, – against Florida in Florida. They were they they weren't mm-hmm. good defensively. They gave up the blue line. They did a bunch of things that they shouldn't be doing against a fast, smart, good team. And you know, they 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 tried to play rope-a-dope with the the Panthers in Florida and they got knocked out. And they I'll give them credit. They they against Florida in Florida, they played the game that Panthers wanted them to play. In Calgary, the Flames played the games the Flames wanted to play. They, yeah. they were better early. They bottled them up, and you know the they they played a, a really st- and even and even I was I was talking to uh, to a friend of mine uh, the other day. We were chatting. Actually, during the game, the idea of okay, wh- let's see what happens in the third period because the idea being yeah okay yeah you you go in against Florida with uh, I I forget what the lead was Shane if you can remember let me know it was either three one or. I think it was three one going it, into the it was it was it was two nothing. Sam scored and then Mo, uh Moni got the tip in. Yes, it, so it was before the end of the second. It was, so it was three, three one at the one, end of two. Three one after two. And the thought process was buckle up because Florida's gonna have a push. And yep. I'll give them flames credit. They 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 were ready for it. They were 
engaged. They were challenging them, challenging the puck carry in the neutral zone. They were disrupting. They were generating chances. And they they outscored them 2-0 in the third period, and they fully deserved to have those two goals. They had that, you know, Sean Monaghan scored a really nice goal off uh, just an awful turnover, I think, by Carver. That was a nice tuck-in. That was vintage, vintage it, Sean. It was great. Forehand, I mean, backhand, outweigh the goalie, you're tuck You're playing it. against – how old is – Spencer Knight's, I think, a few months older than uh, than Dustin Wolf. Same draft class, mm-hmm. different rounds. Uh, same, and I think played at the same World Juniors together. Uh, they they yeah. they they were he was the their the gold. They were one two punch. The gold, they were the one the, the gold medal yeah. team. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Spencer Knight, 21, 20, 21 year old goalie, and he looked a little bit shell shocked. And yeah, he went down too early and just got looked made to look like a not great goaltender by Sam Bennett or by Sean Monahan rather. Sean Monahan, yeah. But, uh, man, that fourth goal, that, fo- that, uh, the, the tip- Matthew Kachuk tip that he, okay. I just, I need to describe this for all listeners. We, that missed we, uh, the game. This is, we, 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 I'm going to describe this with we had the a lot of, of care talking to, uh, to, to Matthew after the game, uh, the media's availability. And, you know, I, I asked the question, I'm like, did you know, you, you had, did you know, it was, did you know you had it uh, after, as soon as it hit your stick? And, you know, he walked us through it and his exact reaction was like, they smiled like, yep. he, you know, he's, he's confident. He's, he practices tips like nobody's business, power play. Misery. But I, I have, it was a, basically a full speed thing. Sasha Barkov misses the net on one side. Goudreau turns on the Jets in the neutral zone, races and grabs the loose puck. There's him and two defensemen. He waits for two guys mm-hmm. for uh, his linemates to come. And Kachuk thinks, okay, is he going to drop pass it to me or is he going to make the pass to Lindholm? He makes the pass to Lindholm and Kachuk goes, okay, I know how this is going to go. And he, he made a deflection on a puck that was, that was deflected off a stick and sort of in midair and it was behind him. So he was full speed deflecting something behind him into the top corner of the net. Like it's, it's something that if you try to do like pe- people who try to do that in practice, I'd say 90% of the people who try that in any level of hockey will miss the net entirely or miss the puck entirely. Like there's an incredible amount of skill it takes to pull it off you're, when everybody's stationary, let alone at full speed. You're, you're going to agree with my assessment as soon as he threw a perfect change up. He threw, he, he grabbed that. The puck was going the perpendicular to his body he reaches behind him and he tips the just just the right tip and it just arcs just perfectly into the top right corner top left if you're the shooter top right if you're the goalie of the net and but the, the one thing that i saw after because i watched that thing a million times is the second that puck hits lindholm's stick kachuk taps the ice to say he's ready for it he whacks the ice once that's like a quick call for the pass and Lindholm just lobs it to him. I mean, that's all he can do. The defender is perfectly in the passing lane for an on-ice pass. And just Kachuk's skill just took that and, overview. And poor, poor Sam Reinhardt. I mean, the third guy back, he's, he's the F3. He's just hauling ass back to his zone. Yeah. He, and he, he was there. If the puck there. went on the ice, he would have stopped him. But if, Kachuk if he literally was, just he made was, a superstar move. If Sam Reinhardt was a half step ahead of where Sam Reinhardt was, maybe he gets his puck, his stick in the lane or his body in the lane. But so many things had to go right. If, friends, if you ever get a chance to go to a Flames game, ideally when the world's more normal and you have a chance to enjoy yourself, but if you get a chance, watch the Flames during warm-up. Come early, get a pocket dog, have a pop, grab a beer, 
sit down and just watch Flames warm up because Matthew Kachuk probably, I imagine he probably spends, you know, about a good two minutes of warm up just practicing tips. Like he's just, and he does that every game. He does that in the beginning and every practice. The guy is a freaking machine. He's not wired like the rest of us. He's just, he's just really good at hockey. And I, I put him, I, 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 I rate him very highly of, of different. I, Pavelski's number one, like Pavelski's in a tier of kind of his own, but then there's land like Landis Cogs really close. And I put Kachuk kind of similar with his tipping ability in with Landis. I put him in the top part of the league. Like Pavelski's the best. I'm never going to dis- debate that. He, what he does is just nuts. But as you can see, like Kachuk, there's not the, like, if you watch all of his deflections, like the other goal he scored the other day, the puck was going completely wide and he deflected it into the upper corner of the net. I can't remember which game that was, but like, this is like, this is something he does. Like he knows. And like I say, he, Kachuk is hockey smart. You know, you got street smarts. Matthew Kachuk has hockey smarts. He knows what to do. He's one of the smartest players on the ice at any given time. And so, yeah, some people have problems with his foot speed, but he makes up for it with a hockey IQ that's just off the chart. Let's like we we've said this dating back to when the Flames drafted Matthew Kachuk in 2016. Like we we in the hockey community, we use the term intangibles to describe a lot of stupid shit. And <laughs> yeah, in this much. case, in this case, having a dad who not just was a, a hockey player, not just a professional hockey player, but a very high-end hockey player. I don't think Keith Kachuk is hockey hall of fame material, but he's just below that tier. He's hall like of very good. He had a fantastic career. He'll be someone that we, that is brought up in hall of fame discussions from now until the end of time. And I don't think, I don't know if he doesn't make it. I mean, tons of players worse than Keith Kachuk are in the hall of fame. But I wouldn't put him in, but I'm not going to whine if he gets in because I think he'd be well-deserved either way. But the long and the short of it is, so Matthew Kachuk has the benefit of having a, a papa who can tell him not just here's what you need to do to make it, but here's how dedicated you need to be to be good once you get there. Because there's plenty of players who make the NHL and they just settle in, whether it's because, you know, you, you know, it's the old fashioned, you know, the, the, you know, when you, when you, you know, uh, Shane, when you're traveling and you're rushing to make a plane and you're a little bit anxious the entire time you're going through security, you're like, I don't want to miss this plane. I don't want to miss this plane. And then you get on the plane and you relax. The, just, ah. we yep. see that we say, see that for a lot of hockey players where once they establish themselves as a quote unquote, full-time NHLer, they sort of settle in a bit. And you usually see, you know, second, third year, you know, usually it's the second year of an entry-level contract or third year of an entry-level contract. Guys just sort of have a bit of a dip. Sometimes it lasts the whole year. Sometimes it lasts part of the year, but everybody seems to have a dip. Matthew Kachuk's one of those guys that didn't have a dip. He has gotten progressively better in, in a lot of different parts of his game. And I think a lot of that's because his daddy just told him, listen, kid, if you, do you want to make it or do you want to be great? And I think he wants to be great. And just the, I, think the sheer, I think he wants to win. Too. The sheer, I, think the he, sheer, I think he genuinely wants to win. The sheer insanity. Like you have to be wired a very specific way to make the NHL, to be dedicated to make the NHL to, you know, he went to the U S national development team. And then instead of going to college left to go to the OHL and then went to full-time NHL at the age of uh, 18, 19. I mean, you know, he's been he's been wearing an, a letter for a Canadian NHL team since uh, he was 22, 21 or 22, yeah. like his third year His he he had a I believe he was he was sharing an alternate captain's day with Matt with uh, Michael Backlund 
since he was in his third year of his entry level. So like he's, you know, preternaturally mature for his age. Uh, he's, uh, he's the flames, uh, the NHLPA alternate rep uh, with Backlund as the, the main rep. Uh, so yeah. he's, he's he dove, in, dove into being a massive part of the team itself, not just show up and play and learn how to play. No, he, he's he put himself as a core part of this franchise. And a lot of people are worried about, you know, this off season and signings and stuff, Matt. And you know, Matt, if Brady just signed a long-term deal and you know what, Matthew, like I said, I really believe he wants to win. And if this team qualifies for the playoffs and even wins around, I think that says a lot to him himself. And, you know, that's a talk for another later time, but he, I'm not worried about him and I'm not worried about him leaving. And I'm, I'm just glad we get to like the flames have some really skilled players. Um, they could use a few more, but yeah, he's he's just he's good hockey. He's you know we we occasionally occasionally we're reminded in this market that you know we're we're fortunate enough to be in a market where there's been some special special players. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau is one of them. Elias Lindholm is quickly becoming one of them because he's just not bad at anything. But nice. I, I, okay, occasionally <laughs> we just need to sort of sit back and begin the podcast with man, some of these guys are really freaking good at hockey. I mean that tip like. Again, that was ninety nine. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I if if you if if you had a lot if I was just standing there with a hockey stick perpendicular and you just said, "Okay, Elias Lindholm, we're just gonna not even gonna have a human being in front of you. Just try to back it in off my stick. I'll just stand here. I bet you, you know, most people aren't coordinated enough to get it close to the net or towards the net. So, yes. I mean. Game recognized game, or in this case, lack of game recognized game. That's just that's just that's standard us, man. That's us. But hey, fun to watch. That was entertaining. They came to play. They matched Florida. Florida. I uh, I actually the game itself. I the first game I took upon myself to really focus on Calgary and how they were going to play. This one because Florida's been so damn good. I was like, I am going to watch everything they do. And they trap, they trap like crazy. And, but, but it's a unique trap because the second that you choose a side, a forward is blitzing towards you before you even get blue. I would describe it more as a funnel than a trap. They played, they they played on five on five, sort of the same kind of style, the same kind of pressure style they do in the penalty kill where Mm -hmm. they try to funnel. Anyone who's watched the Flames penalty kill, it's sort of basically just sort of a diamond formation but the, the guy on top sort of floats towards whoever the puck carrier is because the idea is to use four checking and you use sticks to sort of push them towards one of the walls because if your butt's on the wall, you can't usually score a goal. And it just, it, they, it just makes it tougher for them to execute things. And pretty much from like the offensive, from the defensive blue line in, like through the neutral zone, especially in the defensive zone, they were just waiting for the Panthers to commit to a side. And then they were just blitzing them and trying to press them up against the wall and it worked. It, you know, Florida had to do a lot of jump and chase. You know, and this is one of the few games where I think instead of the Flames having chances and opportunities die in the neutral zone, it began happening to Florida. So, I mean, what's the old saying, Shane? You got to hold teams accountable to their wins. Like this is if the idea is can the Flames yeah. can the Flames compete against good hockey teams? And the answer yeah. is yes. Even in the games they lost, I, I was on uh, nine sixty. Uh, on uh, on Tuesday talking with Pat and Matt 
And mm-hmm. we, we, one of the things that brought up was like, hey, are the, you know, how the, the, the Flames big slump? And I didn't think the Flames were as bad as their record has shown in the prior 10 games where they went 2-8-0. Uh, and I don't, or I guess 2-7-1. Uh, but I don't think they were as bad as, as the record was either. I mean, you know, they, I, they, 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 they hit, what does they have? The, on the, on that, the eight games they lost, Carolina twice, Florida mm-hmm. Tampa, Boston, Vegas, and a San Jose team that, you know, San Jose, I think when they're healthy, they're pretty good. I think they're a bubble playoff team. We'll get into that in a sec, but there's just, they're, they, they lost some games where they shouldn't have lost, but they lost some games where if they play them in ideal situations, as in not playing Vegas in Vegas on a road hmm. trip, yeah. not playing Florida after, after 95% of the team had COVID, uh, I mean, not, not, how many games off like how many days off yeah, like the, before the, no practice the, the like this flames. game they at least had practice time between games yeah like i mean and, and they and they talk the players talked about that extensively like johnny post game as well as coleman pre-game we're like yeah we're we've been practicing a lot on things that we feel we're done on and uh ryan leslie asked johnny after the game like oh do you think and he's like no no we we and johnny was immediately no we got things to clear up like they know like the players no, like, yeah, that was, yeah, they won. There's always stuff to work on. And that's a great attitude. I love that attitude coming out of them. Like, that's just fantastic. And that's a, that's a good segue to uh, let's talk about the playoffs because uh, yeah, the, let's do the, it. the nice, the, the, the phrase that Daryl Sutter used, which I really liked and I'm going to steal because it's just, it's a nice way of phrasing it, working from the bottom. So here, here's, the, here's my thought process. The Calgary Flames, like if you go by points percentage, the Flames are tied for first, which is, I mean, cool, but they still need to play the games. Uh, right now, if we if we look at the standings and uh, the Flames by points right now are fifth in the Pacific Division. They're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. They are two points out of the last wildcard spot in pure points behind San Jose. Uh, the teams ahead of them in the Pacific Division are Vegas with 48 points, uh, Anaheim with 45 points. They're playing as we're recording. They're playing Colorado. We're going to operate under the assumption that they lose to Colorado because Colorado is damn good. So Colorado, please don't make us look foolish. If you're listening to this on Thursday, like you probably are, the Flames are either five or three points behind Anaheim. We're going to assume three. Uh, LA also has 45 points. And then uh, the wild card team in the, in the Pacific Division is San Jose. And behind Calgary, Vancouver, 39 points. Edmonton, 38 points. Seattle, 26 points. So here's here's the gist. The Flames have game in, games in hand on everybody except for Edmonton. They uh, and they'll actually have a game in hand on Edmonton on Thursday. The the Oilers play the Panthers and then they play Calgary on on Saturday. So the Flames are going to have a game in hand on 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 Edmonton for a little while. Uh, they have three in hand on Seattle, who are way behind them. They have four in hand on Vancouver, who are three points behind them. Of the teams ahead of Calgary, uh, starting from the top, they are six points behind Vegas for first place with five games in hand seems doable, but you have to win the games. They are three behind Anaheim with seven games in hand. They are, they are going to pass Anaheim. You still got to win the game. So uh, they are three behind LA with five in hand. They are two behind San Jose with five in hand. So uh, the games in hand go like this. You still got to play them. You still got to win them. So, uh, the idea, I think the idea that Daryl Sutter is saying with working from the bottom right now, the flames are in the bottom of the playoff picture, They're technically not in, but you know, grand, I mean, if we're going to use the pandemic rules, 
the the league in in season says yeah we're going to go by points percentage but at the end of the day you got to go by points ultimately because they just it's it's well, that's it's, what you've technically really earned it, today it's, it's the difference between it's the difference between you know using your credit card to spend to buy things versus using your bank account to buy things you're spending money you haven't earned yet so for, for i can see the logic of of uh the the, the old farmer going by no no you can't spend money you haven't earned yet you got to go by the points you've earned that's that's a i just want to pause you. that's a great analogy i'm clapping that was, I, I, that have was two, I have two good analogies a year. This is this is I'm almost at my quota for 20. Well, he used one up in early January or mid-January. So we're all, I'll figure out when the next one comes. But anyways, yeah, so, uh, Sutter. Yeah. Yeah. So so working from the bottom. And I think psychologically, it gives the flames the idea of like they're chasing. I think the flames are better when they're chasing. I think they're better when they're hungry and they're hunting. And the nice thing is they have they have the games in hand. They have the, you know, they have, you know, they got time they have the benefit of time we just got the the february schedule where they play uh starting february 9th chain they play 40 games in 80 days they have i think seven or eight sets of back-to-backs during that uh, 80 day stretch uh they will play a ton it's mostly at home and the nice thing is for uh for you ladies or gentlemen with romance on your mind new year or uh, valentine's day monday the 14th of february is a day off so right now you got about three weeks uh, if you want to, if you want to earn some points with that partner of yours, uh, maybe figure out what you want to do for that. Cause it'll be an off night and, uh, you know, come up with a plan. Maybe DoorDash can help you out with some food or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm not here to run your life. I'm just here to suggest things and plug our sponsors, but you, you, you know, you know, in advance now you have Valentine's day and it's not, it's not a day. If you're a flames fan, you need to spend glue to the TV going, Oh God, are they going to beat Vegas or Vancouver or whoever? So, you know, do some do some of the do something nice for the person in your life. And and we going back just real quick, just we, we mentioned the games they lost. Like, you know, they said they were two, seven, and one. Well, five of those, and I'm gonna be blunt, five of those are against five of them are against four of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Vegas, Tampa, Florida, Carolina, twice. They don't have to play Carolina again. Uh, you know, they'll have another game against Tampa. They don't have to play Florida again, and they're done. They're also done with Boston. So that's a lot of really good teams from the East gone. They still have a game against Toronto, which they got some Vegas coming up, though. That's they to me, to me, that's their tent pole, though. You need to beat Vegas or Colorado to really get out of the playoffs. Now, another team could win, playoffs are. The NHL playoffs are like the least predictable of the major sports for who can move on. But <laughs> like the, football, I, I, baseball, I think... basketball, you can pretty much tell. Hockey's the wild card. So, oh, yes. But if you I, at, I, like I, I, the East is pretty much decided, so we can get that kind of out of the way. Like, like honestly, if you look at the standings out of East, the East is done. But that doesn't rel- that's pretty much not unrelevant to Calgary. Calgary is in a dogfight for and i really believe second place in the pacific they could get first but right now i'm looking at okay second place is a good spot for them to be because they don't play vegas that way assuming vegas gets first well, and like that, that they, puts them in a real winnable position against another team in the pacific this, maybe maybe this is just me maybe this is just me uh there's an old saying at the end of the season there's one team that having a parade and there's 31 teams that are mad so yeah. The, the the idea I think the whole idea is 
you know, if you get in, you want to make some noise. And if you, I think one, you, you gotta, you got, I think that, you know, the, they have, they play a style of game that is kind of, kind of, you know, it, it's very labor intensive. It's, it's constant structures, constant forecheck. It's very, you know, taxing on the players doing it. But I think that, you know, I think that's the style of game you have to play to make the playoffs. So the nice thing is if they make it, they're going to be, a team that is used to playing that style. And I think that the nice thing is, you know, if you look at the schedule they have left, they have a lot of games against teams that they're going to have, like, you know, they, they play a couple against Vegas still. Uh, I think they have, they have two games against Vegas remaining on their schedule. So, okay, good. They, they lost, uh, you know, they lost a, a one goal game in Vegas against Vegas. I thought they played pretty well. They just played just poorly enough to lose. Okay, so what can you use in the two remaining games you have against Vegas to potentially be ready to play them in the first round? Let's just say that. Let's just say that's how. Let, worst, I think the worst case scenario for the Flames is they. I think Vegas would be the toughest team for them to play in the first round simply because of the style Vegas plays. But you know, if if the idea is you want a chance of being the happy team at the end of the season, you got to figure out a way to get past Vegas, right? Same with happened. Like I, I have more confidence in the Flames in a seven-game series against Edmonton than I do against Vegas. I don't think Edmonton would be cakewalk at all because of the, the two guys they have, uh, you know, the, the Surly German and uh, that guy who scores all the time. And I, I think some of their depth guys are really, really effective. I think I hate their goaltending. I'd be terrified if I was an older fan because they're goaltending. But, you know, they, they you know, their, their blue line is d- decent to above average. And, you know, they, you know they, they're putting out, like, their fourth line is what? Kyler Yamamoto... Warren Fogley and wow. uh, and Derek Ryan. That's a pretty and, good fourth and, line. Well, here's the thing: Derek Ryan is supposed to be their third line center. Yamamoto is supposed to be their second line right winger, and Fogle's supposed to be their third line left winger. So there's, I mean, it may look like an all right fourth line, but if they're playing them as their fourth line, that's not that's not what the roles they were pre-slotted. There, there's, I like Chicago, one of the teams that have played the worst defense over the last five years, beat them in the play-in. They're turmoiling. Uh, Zach Hyman actually has not been playing well for them, which is I, I, like he's not been putting. I, I, as as in the side, as in the side, I don't pay like the playing. Just throw out that whole year. I mean, you know, as much as as much as is sort of you know in, here you can use like use the oh well, the Flames beat Winnipeg and then they would have beat uh, beat you know uh, Dallas if not for Matthew Kachuk's concussion. Well, yeah, but they didn't win. But the whole thing was just kind of weird. I mean, none of it was what anyone was used to. Everyone's out of their comfort zone. And Edmonton just happened to be ice, ice cold against Chicago, who, like, Chicago was the worst team who made it. Chicago was playing with house money. Chicago was playing with no shits to give. Nothing to lose. Yeah, like, if, Absolutely if, nothing if, to lose. if Chicago loses, like, even, even if you look at the, the Calgary-Winnipeg series, I mean, that's basically a coin toss series, and Winnipeg comes in hurt, loses a couple more guys, and then the Flames go through. At the end of the day, did, did anyone was anyone particularly happy with that performance? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I, I think I think the nice thing for the Flames is they have enough games against teams they need to beat to be successful in the postseason. That I think the you know the, the schedule is what it is. the The amount of of wear and tear on them is going to be less than ideal because they're playing so much friggin' hockey. But the nice thing is they don't have a lot of travel. Most of the games are pl- being played at home, so I think that's that'll sort of mitigate. The, the getting there factor. 
And and the good news here is they're big games. I'm looking at the schedule. Pat Steinberg uh, retweeted a nice graph of the schedule, and Ryan did a lovely write-up on Flames Nation. Uh, go click on it of the rescheduled games and the new schedule, um, especially the 10 ones. Calgary plays Vegas with six days rest. It'll be the only six-day stretch they get for the rest of the year. They get basically from February 3rd to the 6th or the 8th off. I think that's the all-star break too. That's right? the all-star like that's, break. They're, they're not yeah, allowed. So, so some players are going to be They're not allowed to practice, I believe, until the, the Monday. I think there's they get the, to... the Friday, Saturday, Sunday's off. I think they shorten the thurs- it. Normally the Thursday's it's Thursday off. Day through the Thursday's off too. Thursday's too. Okay. And then, but they, but they'll get at least, they'll be able to practice Monday, Tuesday before they play Vegas. So they, they don't have to go in on, they're starting the gauntlet against vegas so there's no excuses for them to be tired or anything like that their next game against vegas is also at home and it comes thursday april 14th with a day's rest and two days rest before they played seattle so and that'll be post trade deadline so if they do make any moves of any kind they'll you know that's another test like that so that's a good set of tests for them you know, you get arrested Vegas. What can you do when your both teams are at full strength? Because Vegas, let's be real, Vegas is going to be rested too. I don't know if Vegas plays no. on Monday or Tuesday. No, they're not because yeah, so the, night Vegas before, does play. the night before the Flames open their post-All-Star schedule, uh, the Flames open their post-All-Star schedule on the 9th at home against the Vegas Golden Knights on Wednesday night hockey. Tuesday night, the Vegas Golden Knights are in scenic Edmonton, Alberta to play. Oh, beautiful. Love it. The greasers. So that I think that's that's Love about that. as ideal a situation as you're gonna get to the flames. Yeah. Uh, and really. then you know the, against their against the one opponent you really want them to show themselves against in the Pacific. If there's one in within the division you want them to show up and you want them to play against right now, it is Vegas. I, I think that I think the the big one to me that I look at is that that game in March. The uh or game in April, rather the the April fourteenth game mm-hmm. is the Flames against Vegas. On They'll both be it'll be out. A, it'll be a Thursday night in the middle of the week. The Flames won't be playing it back to back, and neither will be Vegas. I think that game will be fascinating because it's two teams operating on the same amount of rest. And I think if you're going to circle a game on your calendar in terms of you know you know get get some food go you know if you if you can if you can find a way to get tickets i'd recommend that april 14th game because it'll either be it'll either really jazz you know fire you up about uh how the flames look potentially heading towards the postseason or it'll showcase everything the flames aren't either way it's gonna be a fascinating mm-hmm. if if the idea is you're watching hockey because you love hockey and you want to learn something that's going to be fascinating. And, and that probably, you know, po- post trade deadline, let's, if we're, if we're, if we're going to be conspiracy theorists here at that point, Jack Eichel's probably playing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, think Jack I think he's playing so after the close. Break. He's getting there. I have no idea how close he is. I'm not a doctor, nor do I care to speculate. I think it's a safe bet that he's playing April 14th, which means that Vegas will have to lose before the trade deadline, a fairly significant piece to make the money work. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at what the Flames are going to be heading towards the postseason, that'll be uh, how many games do they have left at that point? It's that's, that's game seventy three. Yeah, that's game seventy three. They'll have uh, two or sorry seventy seventy four. Sorry, there's eight games after, so that's game yeah. seventy four of eighty two. And I think so yeah, the, be... the playoff race will be either 
you know, the flames will be comfortable or they'll be chasing. Like it's one of those two things at that point. It's like, yeah. are you in or are you out? Like, where that are you? Is, it's going to be a meaningful hockey game. Yes. It's going to be, regardless, it's going to be based on how they've played too. Like I, the, the number one thing about that Florida game was they started good again, which was what we needed. Like Florida was able to push back a bit, but that's Florida. Like what, the, how they started against Florida was amazing. Like if, good if, for a team of Florida's quality. I, so. I'll, I'll say, I'll say this, uh, our friends of the national Hockey league office, we know you're listening. You know, we know you love us. We love you too. Of course, of course. Uh, the NHL schedule, they, they had such a tough job to do with this. Mm-hmm. And they had, a t- mm-hmm. you know, the whole year was going to be a tough job to do with cramming 82 games in the 200 days and then dealing with the Olympics and then undealing with the Olympics. It's so that, you know, th- this is when we criticize, it's just coming from a place of love. These are meant to be constructive criticism. So here is my one complaint about the schedule. In the month of April, in the March, to, actually, yeah, just in the month of April, and even if you extend it the the, the two weeks beforehand uh, from the trade deadline to the end of the season, the Flames play Edmonton once, the Flames play Vegas once. I would rather have that be more. If you look more broadly at, you know, the last, you know, three weeks of the season, like after the, the Vegas, the Flames after Vegas on April 14th, the Flames play the following teams. And no, tell me if you notice a pattern here. Arizona, Chicago, Nashville, Dallas, Vancouver, Nashville again, Minnesota, Winnipeg. I, oh. I'm, I'm a purist here. I would love if I was, and granted, I do not, I do not book venues. So I, I do not know the logistics of this. I'm just uh, uh, a person clapping their gums. Vancouver is the last Pacific division team they play. They don't play Edmonton at all in the final month of the season. They play Vegas once. Uh, I, I would have liked to see Edmonton, you know, the last little bit of the season. Like the I'm, last Saturday night game is Flames versus Vancouver. And unless Bruce Boudreaux continues being a, a goddamn, you know, magician, I don't know how meaningful that game is going to be. And the, the, the entire last week of the last two weeks of the season is the Flames against non-divisional rivals. Granted, teams they might be fighting for a wild card position against. You never know. But mm-hmm. still, I, I I always prefer the last couple of weeks just loaded up with divisional games. Like I want I want to be and start the year with some divisional games, end the year with some divisional games. It's I, I like I, you said, I, such I, a hard thing they had. I'd to do. always if 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 there's no nothing else to book around October, heavy with divisional games the first two weeks, the weeks around Christmas. I want to see Seattle, Vancouver, Vegas, you know, and especially let's be honest here. If you're booking some road, if you're broken a road trip, you know, it'd be nice if there was a Vegas, Arizona, LA, Anaheim road trip sometime in December, January, there usually is uh, a Dallas, Arizona one. That's not bad. Like Dal- Dallas, that's not bad. Dallas in December, unless there's an ice storm is usually pretty nice. Sometimes there's an ice storm. And you could, you could honestly, I'm just, just flames fans. I'm just, just saying here, if you're planning trips, um, February 1st against Dallas, February 2nd against Arizona, and then All-Star in Vegas. Well, you're in the area for all three of those. So if you're planning a Flames-centric trip, do that. Go meet up with Uncle Johnny Hockey at the All-Star game and uh, have a, yourself a blast. That, so that, that's, that's, I, can, I can think of worse places in, in a non-pandemic world. I can think of worse places to spend time than the greater Glendale area, especially Vegas. Like that's... Oh. I love, I love the Vegas. random. I do love the random one trip to Colorado, like home against Montreal, Saturday go to Colorado, and then home for another week after. It's a it's a quick flight, and then and then and then go to Colorado again before coming home for four days. That's the that's probably the weirdest part. Like they home go to Colorado, come home for a week, 
and then go right back to Colorado. <laughs> it's one of my, it's one of the funniest the, little points that I noticed. <laughs> from, in the entire month of March, the flames leave the mountain time zone. Uh, Twice. Tw- yeah, Three I times. think is Minnesota mountain? Minnesota's no, central. Minnesota's central. Minnesota's, Minnesota's the so, same time zone as Colorado. So they only go an hour ahead three times. Yeah. Actually, and, and hell, only one. And no, they're all Col- Colorado is mountain. So after, you know, there's a March. Oh, yeah. Starting on March 3rd, again, the Flames play a home game against Montreal. Starting on March 3rd, they 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 are in the Pacific, they're the mountain time zone. From, they leave from that time to the end of the season. They leave the mountain time zone once to go to Van- to Vancouver on the 19th of March. Then they have a, a week in the Pacific division. If I'm just spitballing here, if you're planning a trip, uh, I might look at doing this depending on how my travel credits hold up. Uh, there's a week long trip in, uh, in April to LA, Anaheim, San Jose. I, you know, 2019, I did, uh, they had a trip in February where it was, I believe the road trip was they started in Vancouver and they went San Jose, LA, Anaheim. I just went, I went to, to, uh, to LA and just hung out for a few days and just watched the, watched those two road games remotely. And then, you know, but I, if you get a chance to hang out in, in LA or Anaheim for a couple of days, might as well do it. It's nice out. You know, you can put your feet in the ocean without uh, without feeling like you're going to die. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was good. Uh, if if uh, I've been told uh, the Seattle arena is gorgeous. People who talk to me about yeah. the Seattle arena use the kiss, you know, the, the chef's kiss. There's a couple days off. There's a there's a home and home. Calgary plays in it in Seattle on April 9th and then doesn't play again until April 12th. It is the last two day, this one of two two day breaks they have in the entire month of April. Mm-hmm. yeah so, they just have two sunday mondays <laughs> yeah so any anyone who's thinking oh man i haven't been out of the country in a while if if things calm down and travel is something you're comfortable with we're just spitballing ideas and just generally like i'm kind of disappointed that they don't have a longer stay in nashville because i've been told of the of all the road cities in the league in a normal world nashville is apparently one of the best ones to check out I've been told this by people working for at least 10 NHL teams. The phrase used was, you haven't, what do you mean you haven't been in Nashville yet? So what do you mean you haven't been in Nashville yet? Well, I don't know. I haven't had the chance. To. It'd be if good to go chance. playoff time to Nashville. I, I actually, uh, I talked with oh, yeah. a guy he writes for uh, on the four check. It's the, it's a, it's a blog for the predators. And he says at the playoff time, he's, he says, it's just packed street down the whole, down the whole street. He says, it's a Vegas like atmosphere. It's one of the most, like, you should go. If you're a hockey fan and you just want an experience where you can go, the bars are literally right outside. Like, it's a bar strip like Vegas, right outside the, it leads to Bridgestone it's, Arena. It's on, it's on Broadway, right? Like Broadway is, yeah, it's, it's at the end of Broadway. The arena is at the end of Broadway. And Broadway is the most popular street in Nashville. And it leads right into that. Nothing and when, but bars and honky-tonks the whole way around. And it's warm in April, May. Like, it's like, it's like plus 15, plus 20. Like, it's like, for us, it's like, I, like, that's basically summer for you're, Canadians. You're going to, so. you're going to go down there and it'll be like 18 or 20 degrees you'll be in shorts and flops and a t-shirt and some damn southerner from from nashville is going to be all bottled up being like what are you doing it's so cold here every time like, we go you'll be like sure you do sure you do uh, okay then again, I, I had i had two points before we segued into the uh, other topic we want to do i love how they rescheduled mark giordano's game for saturday night his return for saturday february 19th or no did 
that'll be his official return. Yeah, yep, that'll be his official return, and that's the rescheduled from December twenty third. The late game. Um, I love that. Yeah, I love it. It's it's a national broad. Now it's a national broadcast, and it's it's big because Mark Giordano is it was such a big part of Calgary, and folks get ready for a lot of home games because Feb- from February 9th till April 2nd, the ratio, I think I just counted it was 25 to five. I'll just count again. Three, six, eight, 21 to five, they 21 got, home games to five road games. They let's just very quick. One, two, three. From after four, the all-star five. break, they begin with a seven game homestand, go to Vancouver for a game. They have a home and home against Minnesota uh, with a couple days off in between. They host Montreal. They go to Colorado. Then they have four games at home. Then they go to Colorado again. Then they have two games at home. Then they go to Vancouver. Then they have six games at home. Then they go on that four game Eastern road trip. Their last like real, real road trip of the season. Yeah. No, they have, they have a couple of those, but it's Uh, the end the season on a, uh, they end the season five and five and seven. April has, April has that four-game road trip. Then they're home. They love ending Calgary on the road. Then, then two, two, uh, two games on the road. Then two back at home for two. Then three games on the road to finish off. And they finish off uh, in scenic Winnipeg against the Jets. In I think it's I don't know how they're gonna get there because they got to get from. They're gonna have to walk across the border because then they're not gonna be able to fly to Winnipeg. So I mean, you know, I I have been told my friends. My dear friend, Paul Fontaine always tells me that Winnipeg has an airport. I'm 80% sure he picked me up from the airport. Whatever <laughs> airport they claim to use in Winnipeg, I've been picked up for by my friend, Paul. I've, uh, I've been to Winnipeg too. It's not a bad it's airport. Bad. Okay, the jokes. I love the joke. I love running jokes. Yeah, we, uh, we, they don't get pissy. We, in we, we've, we've, we've promised in, in writing and verbally not to disparage the beautiful city of Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg, you're fine. Regardless of what the weaker than say, you're fine. Uh, um, but, so, but yeah, but we're going to, we, we've talked a lot about the schedule. So I thought we, we transition. We, we were going to look at a few more trade targets. Yes. Um, so, for- so for, for anyone, anyone who's uh, we told you, so the two days to bear in mind schedule wise are, we already warned you about February 14th, St. Valentine's day, where, you know, if, uh, if you're not, a, if, if you're not a free agent and you forget that day, you're going to be a free agent on the 15th. So make sure uh, on that Monday, Monday, the 14th, it's a big Monday. Do whatever you need to do. But another Monday that's important is Monday, March the 21st. That's the trade deadline. Uh, mm-hmm. It kicks off the last 40 days of the NHL calendar. And, the you know, in, unless the bottom falls, unless the wheels fall off completely, the Calgary Flames are going to be doing something. How much something? We're not sure. Last week we talked about, uh, we kicked in a few names. We talked about, I think the, one, the two we talked about most extensively were uh, Tomas Hurdle of the uh, San Jose Sharks. And our, our, you know, Joel Pavelski of the Dallas Stars. The Stars, mm-hmm. uh, they might not make the playoffs. They might. They're, they'll be. They're. 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 They're on the lower percentage polls at this point. They have some work to do. And Joe Pavelski does not at this point have a ring. And I, I cannot recall what kind of trade coverage he has in terms of no move or no trade. But I'm pretty I sure if, if a team that's fairly high up in the standings, like the Flames, hope to be, give him and his representation a call and say, hey. Would you wave to come to Calgary? The answer would probably be, how warm is it? Followed by, for how long? How good is this team? So anyway, we, but anyway, we, we've well, we well uh, tilled that ground in terms of the big fish. Uh, we thought we'd kick around some of the 
all due respect to them, lesser lights, uh, gen uh, gentlemen who are not not terrible at hockey, but guys who might not immediately spring to mind in terms of the oh, you need to get these. So we're gonna probably they, we're gonna break they don't up. move they don't quite move the needle the same way on on paper, but you know so the, they're the, they're they're options. This week we're we're gonna focus on forwards. Next week we're, we'll talk about some blue liners. You know, I if you know we talked about this in the past. I think the Flames blue line is fine. I don't love Nikita Zadorov. I I I think Eric Branson is fine in terms of third. I actually guys, I lo you know, loved Gabranson's penalty killing in Florida. By the way, like it was absolutely stunning. He's he's been my, very in my he's, been, he's been very good in the power on the penalty. He, I I watched him really good. He, he was aggressive in him and Tanev were aggressive. So I'm okay. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, like, if, I never thought if, I'd say this before the season if, started. If but I'm okay with Gabranson. If, 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 if you're sketching things out. The, the Flames are goaltending, are good. They have Markstrom. Mm -hmm. They got uh, Dan Viljar. They got Dustin Wolf, who is absolutely rock solid, number three. They, you know, when Adam Werner is your fourth string guy, you're probably fine. So I don't think, you know, I don't think the Flames are in the market for a goaltender. I don't think they'd want to. I don't think they have a place to put an extra goaltender to be in with. But I think they like the goaltenders they have. Uh, on the blue line, upgrading your third pairing is a nice to have. Like if you, if you can find something that upgrades your third pairing, I think it'd be fine. We'll get into this in more detail next week. I'd love to bring Mark Giordano back, but I don't see how the money works or the assets. I don't, Steve, it, I don't. Like, and based on their needs, based on their needs, it's I, he's not really. I, a, I, I don't they've think, got their top four. It's really set really. And, that's and their top four, this, this might be the best top four they've had in a long, long time in terms of balance and in terms of, you know, upper mobility, you know, three of the four guys in their top four are young guys. And, you know, the, the only guy who's not signed for oodles of years is uh, Oliver Shillington. And I suspect they'll probably figure something out this off season, but you know, it's, if you, if you bring in Giordano, you gotta, you, you know, you pull Shillington out of his zone or you throw Hannafin out of his comfort zone, or you spend a first round pick in a weird amount of cap space for a 38 year old guy who's playing on your third pair. I mean, if, if they had 12 million in cap space, I'd say, go, why not? Sure. I don't care. It's not my money. But when you only, when you're only going to be able to add around seven, seven and a half mil blowing 90% of it on a 38 year old guy who, you know, he's good. We, but he's, we love, we love you, Gio. It's just not, it's, it's, you know, it's not what we need. I, I don't think, I don't think it's in the cards. The, the same, the same cold emotional logic that led the Calgary flames to not protect a 37, almost 38 year old guy yeah. at the, at the expansion draft will probably lead the, this, them to have the same cold emotional logic and spend their cap space and assets elsewhere. So Mark Giordano, we love you. I, it'd be nice if they, if they can, uh, you know, potentially, I don't know how, what kind of cap space they're going to have in the off season. That's a, that's a question we'll get into after the trade deadline. Yeah. That's uh, but that's down the road. <laughs> I don't think, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice if he could finish his career in Calgary, who knows it's in the cards, but you know, I, I just don't think he'll be back before the trade deadline, but that, it, that is a long walk to get to secondary forward targets. Uh, I'll throw yeah, one. Yeah. Um, just before you jump Pavelski three team trade list, just, just mm -hmm. I just, I found it on Puckpedia. So he's got a three team trade list, but I mean, honestly, if, if the, if the stars are completely out of it at the deadline and he's on one year, like he'll know where he stands with Jim Neal. He'll know. And like, obviously we know with Klingberg and the, all the rumors with him, like publicly, like he's like, okay, I'm done here. I want to go now. Um, so, so it, but Pavel, you said Pavelski wants a ring and I don't think he'll care if he has to spend uh, April 
in in mucky calgary it'll, april it'll well be, hopefully april, april may june april will be <laughs> nice in calgary it's you know it'll be a little bit slushy but it'll be fine uh guy, guy i like guy i've liked dating back to his nashville days mm-hmm. uh, guy who plays all oh he can play anywhere in your lineup Calais mm-hmm. yarn croak he's not terribly expensive in terms of the cap hit so if you were one of those folks going well, i don't know it'd be nice if they can get someone so they don't have to use uh use that dang uh, Nikita Zorov all the time, you, you know, you'd have enough money to maybe add another defenseman. You'd have enough cap space to maybe, maybe you do two, you know, mid-level forward acquisitions. Like, you know, you spend both of those second rounders and whatever to get, you know, Carl Callie Yarncroke, maybe someone else, but I, re- I really like Yarncroke. He's, he's really versatile. He can do a lot of different things. He's a penning UFA. So you're, you're, you're renting him but you don't really need to, you don't need to. And they can put, they can put conditions. The other thing we need to recognize since we're talking secondary, we can put conditions on the pick too. You know, second round pick. If the flames make the conference finals, it turns into a first, right? And and yarn croc plays X amount again, you know, for for those who are curious, the the change they made when they did the new CBA and during the, the pandemic stoppage. So here's what they changed. You cannot have a conditional pick that is dependent on someone signing somewhere or not. That is it. Mm-hmm. That's the one change they made. So the Mark Stone clause, the Mark Stone or the clause. Mike Hoffman or whatever. Clause. Or I think one one of the Taylor Hall trades had one of those weird conditions on it too before the thing. But yeah, so it's essentially just you know it's you know it, it it's going to be a lot of conditions of based on playoff success or games played or points or whatever. And if you're the Flames. I'm sure if, if the Flames make it to the conference final, they would be completely content. Let's, let's use the Chris Russell example, because I think Chris Russell is a great example of this, because Chris Russell was, you know, you know, it's, it's sort of an apples and oranges comparison. It's not perfect. When they traded Chris Russell to Dallas in 2016, it was, uh, I believe it was Chris Russell straight up for a second round pick, which was conditional. It could upgrade to a first that they made to the conference finals. They, they missed out just by a smidge. And they, uh, the Flames also acquired the legend, Yerky Yokipaka. Yerky Yokipaka! And, and, uh, and a prospect. Edmonton Oilers legend, Brett Pollock. Yeah, or Oil Kings. Oil Kings, Oil Kings. Oil Kings yes. legend, Brett yeah. Pollock. Brett Pollock, he never So yeah, So basically, Sorry, it costs, it costs uh, the, Dallas, the Dallas Stars for the, the services of, at the time, a really good two-way defenseman. And, you know, Chris Russell, he's still pretty decent. He's an NHL player, but he's a low-level guy. He's... He's, he's replacement. He's he's replacement level at this. And point. you know he's he falls into the same category for me as Sean Monahan and Chris Russell or uh, and uh, Curtis Glencross, guys who you know absolutely just destroyed their bodies to help their team. So you know I I don't have a lot of time for people who want to rag on on Chris Russell too much because he he paid for his he paid for his NHL tenure with his body. Uh, he got Chris a nice Russell, belt buckle for it. He got a nice belt buckle from the Oilers for it. This is true. NHL NHL record holder Chris Russell for pretending he's a goalie uh, without you know, without the benefit of the same pads as a goalie. No, no matter what anyone says about him, Chris Russell can say definitively that he is the all-time leader in an NHL category, which is an absolute flex, no and matter is, what. And that is not a category you want to lead in. Uh, no, any, anyway, no, but, anyway, but he does. So, so the, for, for the services of... Uh, Chris Russell, who was at the time not the bell of the UF of the pending UFA ball, but he was, you know, uh, he was going to be a guy who was going to get a lot of phone calls on on July first. the The Dallas Stars gave up a second round pick with conditions, um, a 
depth NHL defenseman slash decent-ish AHL defenseman, and they gave up uh, like a BC level prospect. I mean, Brett Pollock was he was a good WHLer. He was not a he was you know he turned into an okay AHLer, and then he I don't know where the hell he is now. I think he's playing in Europe. Uh, so that tells you. So if if you're saying like Yoke Paka will be something similar-ish for Seattle, you're probably looking at a, one of the two second round picks with a condition that it escalates if you get if they get for if they get reasonably far, and then I don't know Connor Mackey and. Well, I've looked up to uh, just just for the sake of our conversation. I looked up last. I've got last year's deadline pick, uh, trades in front of us, so we can compare quality of players to what it cost them last year. So, uh, like Jan Kroc, for instance, um, let's find someone that's uh, Vinny Hinestroza. Well, that's April. That's April second. That's post deadline. When was the deadline last year? The the deadline last year was April, I think, because it was it was a late deadline because of uh, the schedule being weird. I mean, dude, like our April uh, April eleventh. The draft was at the end of July last year. Oh no, it was twelfth. Yeah, it was definitely the 12th. That's, yeah, the day they got Emil Heineman, the day Sam Bennett went. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, so, like, Sam Bennett, probably because uh, – would you put Yarncroft in the same category as Bennett from last year? I'd say maybe a bit higher. Like, he's – you know, the price goes – Bennett costs to, uh, to basically two seconds. Yeah, he costs a second and a, like a B level prospect. I mean, and I mean, who they use, who they just use their second on. So that's why I say basically yeah. two second round picks. Yeah, so and Calgary has two true. second round picks, so they and could get. I, a I think I think maybe you need to give a little bit more. Like that's, that's why I think like maybe you need maybe you need to throw in a Matthew Phillips. Maybe you need to throw in a Glenn. You know, you're gonna need to, you might need to, to spice that up a little bit more. But I think the idea of two seconds or a second with conditions and a decent prospect. Or you know a decent AHL or with some upside. I think those aren't. I think those are. I think those are places you can look. And I think. Mm-hmm. I think Yarncroke really help. Like, I, I, in an ideal world, you want to have somebody that maybe pushes uh, Sean Monahan down the rotation a bit, or gives you the ability to shelter Sean Monahan a bit more. Because if if you're playing the Calgary Flames in the playoffs and you have last change. I'm rubbing my hands going, you know, and I'm, I'm sending my big guns out and I'm sending them out against Sean Monaghan's line, whoever Brett Ritchie's playing with Brad oh. Richardson. Like I'm yeah. looking for the fourth, the fourth I, if, if, line. if I'm, if I'm the, uh, the eye in the sky for Vegas, Edmonton, whoever I have access to national stat trick the same way you do. I'm going to go, I'm going to look at the, look at the deployments and I'm going to go the, circle some names be like, these are the guys, my big guys are playing against. So, mm-hmm. what can with you do? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what, what, what can you do to insulate those guys a bit? So, you know, that's why, you know, adding, adding Kelly Yarncroke, I think would be a very nice move. Some other names I just sort of have kicking around. Um, this, this will be a controversial one because it involves helping your enemy necessarily. Um, Vegas is probably going to have to move Riley Smith. They're up. To move someone and i do like riley smith riley, riley smith, smith is a pending done nothing but yeah i feel so bad because the only reason one of the only reasons he was gone is they wanted to shed his salary and then he just kind of he just he slapped florida in the face and that's like a absolute redemption story love it I'm, right I'm hand a- shot scores goals and he can play 
all over the place. And the Flames are Vegas here's- isn't going to have much. Like, if they want to go back, they have. Like, I, I, that's why I'm like, Vegas is interesting. And Vegas has known to send decent players within the division, a la Nate Schmidt. So Vegas doesn't care. Vegas wants Vegas, Vegas is about cap compliance. And Vegas is willing to eat shit in order to get compliance. So Bill, not- Bill Daly said it. Or not Bill Daly. Yeah. Bill What's Foley. the owner's name? Bill Foley. Sorry, Bill Daly. Um, Bill Foley said he wants a cup and he wants it like now. He's it's not just, patient. So like realistically, you're going to the Vegas does not have the ability to retain salary here, which will drive the price for Riley Smith down because Vegas has, uh, you know, has, has their, you know, they have their, uh, their nose close to the bandsaw there. They, they, they just, they need to be compliant. Otherwise they can't, uh, they can't do nothing. So if, if for them to, to add their big gun in Jack Eichel, potentially the flames or someone, someone's going to get Riley Smith and someone's going to get a pretty damn good deal for Riley Smith because Vegas is desperate. And I don't know. I don't necessarily think you're going to have to pay that divisional premium. And, and Vegas doesn't have the ability to to take on many many. Like Vegas can't take on a roster yeah. player for that. So you're basically you're going to be adding Riley Smith and his four and a half million cap space, uh, and you're not going to lose anybody off your roster because well, they've got you, more problems than that too. They've got uh, Martinez is on IR, LTIR too for five point two five million. So like they've got definitely for now. And, yeah, especially if they want to compete half like, like you didn't go get eichel to not to leave him on ltr to the playoffs like they want him in bad they got patch ready and hag on injured reserve too but not so do do you uh do you do you send a second rounder and i don't know some kind of uh like what i don't know what do you think like a second rounder in connor mack i or a second round they have so they got, rounder that they got the, i was looking at the like i said i was looking at trades from uh last year too and one that picked my eye up was um a lower profile one of Matthias Yanmark that Vegas paid to get and Vegas paid a second, a third and a fifth. Now either they absolutely have to float at least one of those second round picks that they currently have Calgary this year. Uh, I would I, prefer this year. I would prefer this year than next year. Cause ne- uh, the top six, like the top end of the next year's draft, 2023 draft is absolutely insane, but that shouldn't matter if you want to win right now. And that's, that's, that's the crappy part. And I know a lot of fans are stoked and, you know, there's about Connor Bedard and Matt Vemikov and uh, the Fantilli kids. Fantastic as well. Whoever gets dead last and gets third is if the Adam Fantilli is the consolation prize is going to be fantastic. But if you want to win the cup, you've got to make moves now. Like you've got to, you know, if you want to compete in Calgary, they do they, they they're good. And they'll, they're, I really think they're a playoff team. Like I genuinely do the way they play. But if you like to win the cup, I really feel like reinforcements could help. So uh, for Smith, it really like you'll have Vegas over the ringer, but other teams are going to want to take advantage of Vegas too, which will create a bidding war. And that's the problem. Cause, cause if two teams are offering similar offers, a team's got to pick. And if Buffalo has a similar offer from Calgary and Vegas and they pick Vegas, well, that's like, okay, well, Calgary tried. But unfortunately, they just picked the other guy. So that can happen, and that sucks. But, and especially when, if, you, if it comes down to, you know, if Vegas looks at the division, who's their number one competition in the division right now? If it outlook from a Vegas perspective, looking at the standings, looking at the points percentage, and looking at how they've played, 
who's the one team in the entire league that could stop you before you hit the third round more, more, more than likely that you're going to run into it's Calgary from a Vegas perspective. I don't know. I don't know. Because They're not going to run into Colorado. Look at this from the Vegas perspective. The Calgary flames have not been terribly successful against Vegas. Edmonton no, has been. So who's what's, you know, would you rather have, if you're at Vegas, would you rather have Riley Smith being playing for, for Edmonton or Calgary? You're probably okay with Calgary because Calgary hasn't mm-hmm. really done much of anything against you. And this is just this maybe is just Edmonton. Me. They won't make the play. They this might is, not, depending on the, where they are at at the trade deadline. <laughs> we, we said we'd be nice. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The uh, the big challenge, I think. You know, imagine the storyline of you're Vegas, and you trade one of your one of your good good core guys to Calgary, and then you meet you meet them in the playoffs, or like that's that's just it just writes itself. It just mm-hmm. writes itself. I would love that. So we'll see. We'll see that you you uh, before we started recording, you mentioned that there is a. Uh... I mentioned long uh, uh, like a, it's a longer term option, and they would have to move money out. Um, so this would be a hockey trade. Yeah. So so like you know you mentioned you know Zadarov right like you know he's probably not going to stick around next year. If he really needs scoring help, do you need your third pairing left hand D? Could you fill that in otherwise? Like that's that's something they'll have to make a choice. Um, so Zadarov is just a throw in for money in this case, because Anthony Beauvillier in New York has been scratched earlier in the year, multiple times. There's been earlier, way earlier, there was reports of uh, turmoil between him and management. Um, I needed to look up his cap hit on Puckpedia here. Uh, just to um, interject, Riley Smith is a $5 million cap hit, not four, not 4.5. Anthony Beauvillier per Puckpedia. 4.19 through 2023 24 i got 4.15 oh sorry 4.15 my eyes just don't work <laughs> got them lasered but i mean you know sometimes they still fall you you should uh, get a refund there oh and coincidentally bavillier's agent he's represented by our friends at cortex he is formally represented by kent hughes now the general manager of the montreal canadian oh so it switched it to cortex because kent was his well he, okay. he uh cortex is his agency so it's yeah. he's gonna be it'll be paul cabazano or someone who takes him on you know i'm actually curious and uh, just a sidebar i'm curious to see who kent goes and gets because you know he represented players is there any specific player that he really big fan of to help him maybe help that team sidebar montreal's podcasts can talk about that um anyways i was interested in bovillier he's a decent offensive player he's definitely an upgrade on the uh whether pitlick richie or whoever's playing up the lineup uh on the wing um left hand shot though not right hand like i said longer term money would have to go out that's someone i like as an option um for for me but two years left money's got to go out for that one to work he's got two years left because you need to sign the other four do and and the question is like the islanders have aspirations themselves but you know, would Lou, would uh, would Lou Lamorello like uh, a slightly Yushan Monahan? Maybe. I think I think Bovillier gives you more mobility than Monahan does. I think money would, Char- money would work. I think Chara hasn't quite been what they wanted him to be. Like, I mean, he's forty four. Let's just be real here. Zdeno Chara is a Hall of Fame defenseman. Will go into the Hockey Hall of Fame when he's done, based on everything he has done. But. <laughs> not as effective as they wanted him to be. They also have Andy Green. So taking a risk on someone like Zadarov, who plays a similar defensive 
block the slot game could be something I see Lou like Lou likes that. So, and you know, and Barry trots strict, like strict coach, you know what he wants you to do. Um, the question would be, is that a throw in or is that someone that they actually would like? Like that's, that's where it gets muddled. And, and let's, and I think the, the X factor here, as you mentioned, the, the flames need to open up some cap. There's four other, there's four other guys that take precedent over any of this. Yeah. The, the flames need to open up cap. You're not buying, if you're the flames, you don't want to, nor probably could you realistically move or buy out Milan Lucic because I like you're, 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 you're making, might get you 20 goals this year too. So and you're free, you're freeing up money that you're just going to burn by replacing him. So you're not actually saving any money. On buying you, we, we, we've done the bio talk too. We actually don't save any money. Or you could save, or you could save $4 million by buying out uh, Monahan or you Which could is save six, seven, six, three, seven, five by trading him. But you granted you're trading him for something. So yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. I, I think this is this is going to be a fascinating. We're this going to be a fascinating trade deadline because it just, this we, is we never get the big fish. So that's why I, I we like we here felt like okay, well, what's next? You know, like what's below? As, what, what's as something a, that's reasonable? Let's let's just say Tomas Hurdle resigns. Let's just say Joe Pavelski doesn't want to cross the border and play in Canada for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like what's is that right? Yeah, and with uh, a lot of fans mentioned Claude Giroux. He's also uh, I could look up his trade coverage as well. And Claude Giroux's cap hit is north of eight. Yeah, so you'd have to send money, or they'd retain, like which is possible. We always we forget. You uh, if if you're paying if you're paying a second or a first, like last year Nick Foligno was half retained, and it was a first, and that was Nick Foligno. So and and Nick Foligno is not Claude Giroux. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like Drew the, the, the should more... net a first a A plus prospect and a young and maybe a B prospect too. Yeah, or like, extra are, you, are you are you willing Drew to should net two, three pieces? Yeah. But the thing, like if you're if and realistically, if you're the flames and seeing seeing the style of game that Daryl Sutter likes them to play and seeing the the type of game that they play well when they're on their game, maybe maybe the answer is instead of blowing your brains out to get uh, Tomas Hurdle. Granted, Tomas Hurdle, I would blow my brains out to get him because he's incredible at hockey. Yeah, we, he, him and Timo Meyer had a game the other day. <laughs> yeah. Um, Claude Drew, full no move. So if Claude Drew doesn't want to go anywhere, Claude Drew is not. But would anywhere. Claude Giroux want to play with Philadelphia's favorite son, Jonathan Hockey? We can talk about that. We're, we, we've, we're planning to talk about that later. That's That's a full conversation about what's going on with Johnny. But um, uh, he might no, but, he might want to play, but but again, like you said, the, but the, retaining the, work, retaining could work. It depends on, you know, if the, does the GM really want to get rid of him? Like if you get if you're getting the assets back, what's retaining 1.5 million? You know, and, like and let's, let's the actual honest. salary is if only you're, if you so. if you're Claude Giroux, you've had that conversation of if you're coming back, do you want to come back? So, you know, if you're Claude Giroux, Maybe just say screw it and wave and go to Canada or wherever and play in the playoffs. Yeah, he's from and Ottawa. Then, and, then you, and then you go back home and play, go play for the Flyers again in July. Like, who cares? Yeah, give uh, yourself a 20 game stint and then go back. Like, the, the Patty Marlowe special, man. The, the, go the, try. The thing, the thing that I'm curious about is would two smaller moves, like say you spend the assets to get a yarn croak and then you spend the assets to get someone to upgrade your bottom six a bit. Is that better? In I terms think of the style they play? Brad, 
I think with Brad's track record, if he is going to take a rental, he's probably only going to want to give up the assets for one. He hates it. Like he, his rentals cost fourth and fifth round picks so far. And they're depth defensemen. They're the Oscar Fantenbergs, the Derek Forbort's, the Eric Gustafson's, right? So, you know, he doesn't like to pay for rental. If he's going to spend a first or second round pick as an asset, he needs something back that's going to be there for a while. And that's, that's normally been the case when eventually, you know, if they're in a spot, this is where this will, now be, it's rental. I'm just going to be really blunt here. If, I think it should already off the pot time. If you get to yep, March the really, 21st, if you get to that, the week of March 21st, or even just like, you know, if he hits if by the time he hits St. Patrick's day, you should know. But by really, that point, sure. by that point, granted, there's still gonna be a lot of games to play. But at that point, by the time you reach the trade deadline this season, especially this season of all seasons, with the assets you have coming up for new deals and with the, the performance of the team to this point and in, in, in the performance of the team you'll have to that point, I think you know what you have. And I think at that point, you know, if, if, you're, if you're Brad for living, you know, I, I hate speculating about people's employment status because I think it's tacky. But yeah. I think at this point, you know, realistically – the Flames have not had a lot of playoff success during Brad's re- regime. And I think Brad's done a lot of great things here, but I, I think his success or failure as a manager will be determined by the amount of playoff success or failure that Calgary Flames have in the postseason. And, and that's so right. And if, that's, but that's, that's, that's fair. Like that's the point. So of if, if you, job, right? if you're him, like, let's say, let's say, you know, Brad calls us and he says, Shane, what do you think I should do with the trade deadline? where he says, hey, Ryan, what should I do with the trade deadline? I think I'd say, if, if you think this is your best chance with this group you have to maximize, like you have Gaudreau playing out of his mind and Kachuk playing out of his mind. And, 101 you know, point pace you have, currently. You have Markstrom playing like the Markstrom you thought you were buying when you got him as a free agent. You have an exceptionally good top four defense. You have, you know, Coleman's playing very well. Backlund is doing everything with scoring. Yeah. Mangiapane's gone a bit cold offensively, but he's just good in all three zones. Did, is, is this the year to ante up, to push your first round pick, your second round pick, your whatever, maybe both, and maybe a prospect or something in and say, I believe in this group because, you know, they, they've done, they've done everything but blow up the group. The, the, the only major core transaction they made was losing Mark Giordano to Seattle and opening up cap space. And I don't know, I don't love what they did with that cap space, but I can sort of, I can talk myself into understanding why they did it. I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I understand what they did and, and the goals. Like when Zadarov, like the, on, on paper, what they did when they traded for Zadarov, I was like, okay, I get what they're doing. They want someone that's going to protect the middle of the ice, like that doesn't care about the boards. And they're just going to protect the middle of the ice. I, I, I got what they did. It just didn't, tra- like, the rest of his game is just doesn't translate. So, yeah, like, I completely if, agree with you with, on that. If you have the assets they have and six, you know, seven point whatever million in cap space, they'll be able to add at the deadline. And if you had the performance, like the body of work they've had from this group, I, I think, you know, they, they didn't do much adding in 19. And I think that was a different group and they were wired differently and they underwhelmed after the trade deadline. Wow. The, the 2019 to Kale McCarr showing up and, and as we're seeing and modern people are tweeting like Dominic Dom from the athletic tweet modern day 
is the stats he's putting up are modern day Bobby Orr. And that guy came in out of nowhere and smacked their pants. So how many it, games did he play? He played the, all four. They, they won. They were, lo- <laughs> they were, they were, lo- they were probably losing that series though. Kale McCarr, like Kale McCarr stays, Kale McCarr goes, you know, state goes to Brooks and sort of has a nap on a couch. The Flames still probably lose that series. I, I would think so. This Colorado was just faster and all over them uh, completely. Yeah. Uh, it, it, but, but I, I do like to say that someone of his skill level showing up absolute and and you don't game plan for that you're like oh he's just a kid right no that was like adding a you know the young victor Hedman and a young like young young drew dowdy like the guy just showed up and changed it so i still think they i think they get another win without cam car there maybe two i do think they lose ultimately but i do like that is a major factor that i never like a lot of people don't mention or consider i'm like kale mccarr is a generational defenseman he is that's that is just that is i'm spitting facts okay i'll I'll just i'll just say the (laughs) flames weren't great after the trade deadline that year the flames clinched a playoff spot losing on saint patrick's day because someone else lost worse than they did they they did not play as well as you would hope a playoff team, a, a conference winning team in the regular season to be playing. But this this year's team so far, I mean, there's still half a season left to be played, slightly more than half a season. But just f- with with the record they put up and the way they've earned that record, I think this might be the year to say screw it because and, might, and I might, would trade this year's first. You I might would. not you might not get another chance at this. Like if you're if you're if you're the manager, you you know you're you're job performance might determine if you play out your contract which again you know all due respect to brad to living i really i really like the work he's done and i you know I, we know each other a little bit having dealt with each other for the better part of a decade in this friggin' market uh so i i you know i i don't want to speak uh speak ill of the man i you know, i think he's done a good job but you know it's he's a it's a result he, he, he would be the first person to say it's a result it's a results driven industry and the Flames haven't had the results they've wanted. And so this season, you know, he has a year left in his contract after this year as this Daryl Sutter as head coach. And what they do this year might determine how next year goes. And yeah, if, you're the, if you're the Flames, I think this could be the year that you just say, screw it. Why not? Well, you've got, yeah, your best, your most offensive players, UFA currently. And, you know, like that, like, you know, you don't, we don't know. There's no public talk from either side about what's going on. So we don't know, but you know, you'd figure then, okay, let's, well, that's, it's time. And, and like I said, this is the next year's draft is great. So this year's the first, I would trade this year's first. You've got two seconds, which makes the first more like easier to give up. But if you're going to give up your first, you better get a good quality player that fills the cent- second line center need Se- uh, the seconds. If you're going to put up one of them, get a right-hand scoring winger or a- any scoring winger. But if you're going to put up the first, go out and get what we need. Go, 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 go out and get the hole, the giant hole that's there. Um, Backlund's filling it in right now. You could drop him down to the third line and easily put someone between Coleman Majapani. I would, or- I would just, just, just to close her out, just, you know, the, the moves that, that Brad's made over the last few trade deadlines, they've all been logical. You can, you can look mm-hmm. at them and go, okay, I can see that. But did any of the moves that they made 
at those trade deadlines, especially the years in there looking at postseason berths, did any of them, when, you know, if someone came into the, into the locker room after the trade deadline and go and post them up on the whiteboard, here's what we did, boys. Did anyone, any of those trade deadlines make guys in the room fist bump and going, we're going for it. I don't think so. This, not, this, not this, might, be, this might be the last chance to do that with this group, but it also might be the best chance to do that with this group in terms of what they have and what they need. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think, I think that's as good a place as any to close her out. Uh, the Flames play a game on Saturday night. We were not used to them yeah. playing games frequently, but we're going to have a bunch of them. Uh, the Calgary Flames are playing on Saturday night in the late game of Hockey Night in Canada. You might have heard of it. They're playing against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, who are uh, at this point mired in a losing streak. They play Florida on Thursday night, and we'll see what happens there. But I'm sure, I'm sure this is a game that both teams are looking at to as a way of basically resetting themselves. And then uh, before you hear our voices next, the Flames will be on a bit of a road trip. Uh, they will, they will they'll host the, the St. Louis Blues, another pretty interesting test for them. Uh, Actually, Monday night at the Dome. Blues are rolling, so. Yeah, St. Louis is pretty good. That's going to be a playoff-like matchup. And then uh, they head to Columbus for uh, – actually, they're going to play a back-to-back next Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday in Columbus, Thursday in a rematch against the St. Louis Blues. So that's – those that that the next four – three or four games, you know, are going to be pretty interesting. Uh, three against Western Conference foes, two against a recent Stanley Cup winner that's still built and playing like a Stanley Cup winner. And well, one against them the Oilers team. Yeah. So yeah, just with Robert Thomas and Kyrie like, taking a step, uh, and Barbashev too, they just they just got better. Anyways, that's that's my thoughts on the Blues. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting little while. So uh, we'll uh, we'll, hope we'll be ex- we're excited to see it. Excited to talk to y'all about it in the ne- incoming future. Uh, what for for Shane? I'm Ryan. Flames Nation Radio is brought to you by DoorDash and Eau Claire Distilleries Rupert's Whiskey. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys again next week. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.